Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for our first ever Paralympics episode. In that, we are not talking to a Paralympian, we're just talking about the Paralympics in general. Very excited for this one. Obviously, the Paralympics ended only a couple of days ago, and we're here to give our general take on the Paralympics, our thoughts and everything else, because... We do love the Paralympics, yet we didn't do a daily coverage of the Paralympics, so maybe there's something going on with us not doing that. I don't know. Uh, My name is Ben, and it's a pleasure to be joined by two very esteemed gentlemen looking at me in the face right now, including Emu Plains' number one Paralympic expert, Jared Lubick. Jared, uh, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. It's good to be back. And Canada's number one Paralympic expert, Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome back to the show. It's also a pleasure to see your face again. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it is, but just a correction. Jared and I try to avoid looking at your face. We, we usually aim for the wall behind you or your microphone. And what are you looking at? My eyes are up here, gentlemen. Jesus, <laughs> you pervs. Just because I've got my cleavage out. Uh, it's good to have you two back on an episode again. I, I still see this is kind of genuinely coming together again, that you two are slowly <laughs> starting to work this hatred out. Jared, maybe? Jared, is your cereal hazard arrived yet? Still waiting on the uh, Penny Alexiacs. Oh, oh, it's on the way. It's Ben's isn't yet though, because I keep forgetting to ship it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's in my, the box mine right over my shoulder. You can see it. <laughs> literally sitting there waiting to be posted. And uh, here I am <laughs> while he's getting his Penny Lexiac cereal. Um, but the Paralympics over. I mean, this is basically now the end of the the Tokyo Olympiad. Both the Summer uh, Paralympics and Olympics are over now. Uh, which is always a bit of a sad thing because at least when the Olympics are over, you're like, well, the Paralympics are still to go. So it gets, gets excited and obviously uh, 13 days of added competition. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Colin, for this one because I'm intrigued to, to hear, A, what you thought of the Paralympics and, B, how are even the Paralympics covered in Canada? Because I don't really know a whole lot if the Paralympics are, are covered extensively or do you get just like a highlights package? How's it, how's it all covered? It, I, I would say we have pretty decent TV coverage of it. Um the regular Olympics, or let's let's just call it Olympics, they pretty much receive around-the-clock coverage on CBC. Uh, so network coverage, uh, let's say, 23 and a half out of 24 hours a day. Uh, Paralympics, I think they break it up into about, I don't know, five to seven hours, depending on what day it is. So you'll get like you know two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, an hour in the evening, two hours overnight. Uh I think the issue with it is that a lot of the coverage was just let's replay what we played on the last two shows. So maybe we got two to two and a half hours of coverage per day. But I mean, what I saw, I enjoyed. I, I, I was glad for the first time I've ever been able to watch sitting volleyball, which is actually really fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, I barely watched the first week because every minute was dedicated to here's another random wheelchair basketball game. 
<laughs> and I think you can only watch so much wheelchair basketball before you're waiting for another sport. But uh, just flipping through to see what uh, coverage NBC had, uh, I'm glad we had CBC because we had TV coverage. I don't think NBC covered anything in the last day. Yeah, I, I saw a lot on social media about how poor the NBC coverage was and that they were barely showing anything, which uh, is surprising because I, I generally thought NBC did okay with their coverage. But, uh, yeah, interesting to hear that. Uh, Jared, I mean, we actually got sport for choice in Australia. I think this was the most extensive I've ever seen a Paralympics covered. I mean, I remember generally ABC had the coverage. They would maybe show, what, like a couple of hours of highlight tonight, maybe the opening or closing ceremony live. I think this is the second summer Paralympics that Channel 7 have had. I'm pretty sure they had them back in Rio. Um, but this was almost, what, a good 12 hours a day live, at least on 7 mate or 7-2. So very well covered. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, sort of what your initial thoughts on kind of the, the Channel 7 coverage, I guess, while we're on the topic and just the Paralympics in general. Yeah, I thought the coverage was exceptional. I think, I mean, we complain about stuff with the Olympics, but this, like, it was almost... There were moments, but it was so like few and far between things to complain about. The fact it was on, like you say, almost like 12 hours a day. The fact they were showing like different events. It felt like the replays were less extensive than usual. The just everything was better. The interviews with the athletes were better than usual. The um, the commentators were better than usual. The choice of hosts was better than usual. Um, yeah, I feel like they they fell at the perfect time it's kind of one of the blessings i suppose of of covid and and whether like you're in lockdown or not is the fact that this was on you could watch it i just think a lot more people got behind it and it was obviously televised a lot more as well which which really helped yeah absolutely and i just want to say right now and this is not me just saying this because she may be appearing on this show in a few weeks time but joanna griggs and um kurt fernley fantastic host i just love watching their sort of um their chemistry they had every night just the sort of the way they were they just genuinely seemed to be having fun and i mean props to channel 7 too for actually i mean the majority of i guess their their hosts and and people out there too were former paralympians or you know kind of people in that area which was like really well done and feels weird to praise Channel 7, Jared, but, uh, I mean, I, I really didn't see them doing much wrong with uh, with the Paralympics coverage, so really, really good. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of wish that Joanna and, and uh, Kurt had worn the um, the wigs, the mullet wigs, every single night. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Even Colin saw the photo of the mullet wigs, but um, yeah. I don't know. Was that the highlight of it all, Jared, seeing them with the mullet wigs? Yeah, it's true. That and just the... Um uh, who was that? The the whole like Izzy fan club stick mm. was great that they kept coming back to that. I just thought like, like you said, they, they did such a good job. It was so nice to see like the diversity within the team. Um, and Joanna and Kurt just have like such great chemistry together. Yeah. One of the athletes said like get Kurt to replace Koshi on like the morning show and I'm all for it. <laughs> yes, anyone to replace Koshi. Hashtag replace Koshi. Just that should be a thing anyway. Um, Colin, do they do that with CBC? Do they sort of get like Paralympians to kind of join mm-hmm. join the coverage and sort of, you know, spread it out a little bit on that side of things? Yeah, yeah. Uh- Pretty much the same thing they did for uh, the Olympics where, you know, Brittany McLean was the the swimming expert and all that. Uh, yeah, they had different athletes for different sports. Uh, and what was really great was um, the athletes they got, you, you get the same as I'm guessing you have a lot of the bios before an event comes up. Here's like a three or four minute segment, you know, telling this person's story. 
And a lot of times those people would be saying, oh, yeah, and you know, the reason I wanted to become a Paralympian was because of this person. And then they'd cut to that person and they'd go, oh, that was so nice and so sweet for them to say. Uh, so there was a lot of good crossover with the, the TV coverage as well. Uh, what One thing that was a, a little bit unusual is that uh, everybody was called back. I don't know if uh, it was in studio, you know, from Australia or if they kept any correspondence in, um, in Tokyo for years. Uh, but for us, it was everybody was flown back to Toronto uh, and one person remained behind in Tokyo. And it was uh, we talked about him, Devin Hero, their, their yeah. 7-Eleven correspondent. He stayed there up until the last minute, but everybody else was called back to Canada. So uh, I'm, I'm glad they at least kept some presence there. They had some, didn't they, Jared? There was actually there was a fair few, wasn't there? Like they kind of kept. Um, I think the the athletics guy stayed there. There was uh, the pool deck swimming commentators. There was a few there. So um, I don't know how many there were, but they definitely kept a few there. Yeah, a couple. I feel like at least three or four. Yeah, yeah. So which was which was interesting. Um, obviously, in terms of both Canada and Australia results overall when it came uh, particularly to the medal tally Australia finished 8th 21 gold 29 silver 30 bronze a total of uh, 80 medals which I believe is a little bit down on Rio but still a very solid result and for Canada 23rd place 5 gold 10 silver 6 bronze uh, 21 at in total which uh, also a little bit down on Rio uh, Colin has it talked much about sort of how Canada are generally expected to go at a at a Paralympics? Like, I mean, is this kind of something that... I mean, I know it's, it's obviously very different, like a, an Olympics and a Paralympics. I, I don't really feel, even in Australia, we get a, oh, we're expecting to get, like, 20 gold. Like, kind of, we just go into it and expect to win a shit ton because we generally do better at the Paralympics than we do at the, the non-Paralympics. So, I mean, is it a thing they talk about there at all in Canada with the Paralympics? There's really no projections going in. But throughout it, they're like, OK, we're on level with where we were at Rio. And I think that if, if anything, that was the benchmark. Let's win as many as we want to Rio. And I think we were like one down from what Rio was. Uh, uh, in turn, no, uh, you were a bit more than that. So in terms of gold, you won three less uh, and eight less in total. You won overall. Eight less. Wow. OK. Yeah. Uh, well, we we're on level with what we won for Olympics, Olympics in Rio. <laughs> so there we go. That's something. But uh, I think the bigger story here was uh, the, the two main athletes who won pretty much everything. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a count right now, but uh, we have one swimmer, Aureli Rivard, who was like our big star in Rio, and then uh, one wheelchair racer, Brent Lakatos. And I think between the two of them, they won eight medals. So this is almost like Penny at one point in Rio where it's like, oh, the majority of the medals have been won by one person. We had like two real stars and if, if our TV coverage was anything, it was just them. That's why we weren't counting the medals. Like, let's just see how many more they can get. Can they get half a dozen? Yeah, I see Rivard got two gold and is it two silver? Uh, two gold, and silver, so, yeah. and a bronze. And uh, Brent got four silver. Um, so, yeah, the, the five gold, so... They came in all in athletics and in swimming. Uh, so you got three gold in swimming and two in athletics. Uh, other sports that uh, Canada medaled in included cycling, judo, um, paratriathlon, and that looks it. Now, was it um, is it Kate O'Brien yeah. was the the one who she 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 was she had an injury or something in between 
Rio and Tokyo. So she was at the non-Paralympics, the, the, the regular Olympics, like it's just the Olympics mm-hmm. in 2016. And also was she not a bobsledder as well at a Winter Olympics? And then um, she she had – what what happened to her? Do you know what happened to her sort of between Rio and that for her to then go on to the Paralympics? Yeah, she was a bobsledder. Um, I, I can't remember the exact story, but it's exactly what you said. She was – you know, a bobsledder in the Olympics. She was uh, a, a cyclist, I believe, in um, Rio. Was it cycling? It might have been. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So, she, yeah, she got injured and uh, should have just ended her career. But she was like one of these immediate turnarounds. She's like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to compete in the Paralympics in, what, three years. And somehow managed to not only compete in the Paralympics, went on to win gold. So you could actually say that her greatest success has come after her injury and after becoming a Paralympian. Uh, That was, I think our first uh, medal and our first gold of the game. So that was like a huge story here. uh, And probably outside of silver. silver? Yeah. I think it was our first medal. Five time trial. Yeah. But yeah, uh, outside of uh, Brenton Orelli, I mean, that was our other big talking point throughout the entire games is we had this athlete who, you know, is now a three time Olympian. Uh, and both an Olympian and Paralympian and had greatest success as a Paralympian. Now, to me, I think it's always incredible when you watch the Paralympics, because when we did an interview um, with a Paralympian recently, we were just saying, like, there's something more to be said about the Paralympics, because all these people, it's not just, oh, I've trained for this sport. I've dealt with this incredible tragedy and come back to train, you know, to be one of the best in the sport. And here you have somebody who, was trained as one of the greatest in the world and then got an injury and this tragedy and came back and was even better for it. Yeah. Yeah. She, I've seen here. She had a, a training injury in 2017, severe head injury that left her unable to walk, talk or breathe unassisted. And she was told <laughs> by doctors that she would never be able to participate in sports again. Wow. What an amazing story. Uh, yeah. 2014 uh, Olympics as a brakeman in bobsled um oh she missed qualifying uh for that so she was on track for that and yeah uh cycling in rio and she got a silver at the paralympics amazing story one i think i've probably talked about it on the show before um one of my favorite paralympic athletes is a guy by the name of alex zanardi he is a former indycar race won a couple of indycar championships and then went on to race in formula one didn't do very well in formula one but uh, went back to IndyCar, lost both of his legs in a crash and essentially went on to dominate um, paracycling uh, road races. He won a heap of medals in Tokyo, uh, sorry, in uh, Rio and London and would have been in Tokyo, I believe, but he had a pretty horrific accident about a year ago. He was doing a, a road cycling thing and he got run over by a truck and basically I think he's still in a coma or something. It's a terrible story. Like he's not had very good luck, but an amazing athlete to kind of go from formula one to basically then go into that so incredible um jared i mean on the australian perspective obviously i'm I'm not going to go through all of the 21 gold medalists but um obviously for the most part swimming as you would expect uh cycling athletics uh table tennis we do well at table tennis at the paralympics got a couple of gold there which is always good uh para canoeing and then of course the great dylan alcott uh is that about his third in a row now when it comes to quad tennis uh just incredible athlete um and outside of that sort of looking through the other medals uh some rowing medals going on there as well more wheelchair tennis happening um is it bocca bocci it's bocci isn't it that's easy thank you uh (laughs) taekwondo (laughs) 
Um, interesting that the the wheelchair basketball and uh, rugby didn't uh, go. They're sort of ones I always generally think we do very well in. But um, I guess, Jared, were there any highlights for you sort of uh, through what you saw and, and of those medal performances that we did have? Um, I think kind of all of them were in their own way. The ones that stand out to me is uh, we had the athlete in the paratriathlon, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Parker, getting beaten like, on the finish finishing line, which was obviously devastating, but I just find it so fascinating when those long distance races come down to the last couple of meters, the fact you've had all this time to kind of break away and separate from one another. And it still comes down to a sprint finish. And then the other one is, I suppose, kind of a similar thing as the um, wheelchair marathon with Madison Di Rosario um, getting the gold there, which is just super impressive. I think I have a question for, Continue. Yeah, no, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say I had a question if either you watched the the marathon. Uh, this is something I'd like to see the Olympics do as well, uh, running the men's and women's almost at the same time, or, or I guess the, the starting time slightly off, uh, because it is hard, like, let's be honest, it is hard to watch a two to three, four hour event in its entirety. But being able to cut back and forth between the two, I thought that was great just as far as TV coverage goes and be able to keep up on both of them without having to commit half a day or more to it. Do they do that at the Commonwealth Games as well, from memory? Or is that maybe the race walk? I don't think they did. It wasn't for the marathon. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's interesting. It's kind of it's it's a unique, unique way of doing it. Jared, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. They feel like they did this for not even just the marathon, like other sports as well, like the road race. They would have different categories like going at the same time. Um, I think like it, it, it just, yeah, it makes good sense. The, the one that I wanted to point out, um, Ellie Cole, of course, uh, she got two medals. Uh, she got a silver and a bronze in swimming and with those became Australia's most decorated female Paralympian of all time now. Uh, 17 medals, lazy 17 medals. She has now won over three Paralympics, four Paralympics, sorry. She went back to Beijing. So pretty, pretty incredible uh, achievement there. And yeah, Dylan, um, Dylan Olcott, I mean, just an absolute legend when it comes to uh, Paralympics. Because started off as a wheelchair basketball player, won gold in Beijing and then a silver in London. And then basically, uh, you know, you talk about someone like Novak Djokovic dominating uh, tennis, uh, you know, in the last year or so. Dylan Olcott's done it for the last, even probably more so than Roger Federer, you would say. I don't think he's lost an Australian Open uh, in the last 10 years, has he? Um, don't think he's lost a French Open or a Wimbledon since they started having wheelchair tennis at them. Uh, won his uh, second uh, consecutive singles, quad singles uh, gold medal. Didn't quite get the doubles back to back, but still got a silver in that. So uh, that what brings his total to about six Paralympic medals across two different sports, if you don't mind. Uh, and he's just such a, isn't he like a radio host as well? Like a Triple J radio? Like this guy's like a, a big celebrity in this country. He's on the ad for what was it, whatever car ad that was during the Olympics when he's doing that. So, I, I mean, I love, I love, I love me Dylan Olcott. He's great. And also, yeah, Ellie Cole too. Two, two great standouts there, Jared. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, Dylan's just like a great character and just has so much personality that, I think he's just such like an important person in the Paralympic movement and yeah, just seems a cool guy. You you mentioned about sort of like interviews and that there were, there are a couple that really stood out and I don't know, Colin, if there's any sort of Canadian ones that you can share with us here too, but there was a few, like I shared a couple on our Twitter, just the emotions that came from some of these athletes. Um, there was particularly in the swimming Katrina Webb, 
uh, who I believe is a vision impaired athlete. Now she she wasn't even aware what she had finished. So when she was on the pool deck, and basically the Channel Seven reporter is like, y- "You've won a bronze medal." She just like broke down in tears and just like absolutely lost it when she was told that she won a medal. And the other one was Cole Pierce who basically had been swimming in a muddy pond on his farm because of COVID and couldn't do anything and and basically just, like, he couldn't stop crying. And he's, like, 18 years old or something like that. And then at the end of it, he's all like, oh, and to my mates, if they're watching, please don't make me a meme just because I'm crying. Like, you're not allowed to make me a meme. Um, but just things like that. And then the best one of all, uh, Tasmania's own Todd Hodgetts, uh, who cruelly didn't, uh, he got like disqualified, didn't he, um, in his event? What is he, uh, was he a shot putter, isn't he? Um, and basically couldn't complete it. But then, so he's getting interviewed by Channel 7, and his interview goes viral because he just basically starts going on about the fact that, oh, Australia, best country in the world, it's so great. Scott Morrison, shout out to you. And he just rips his shirt off and he's like, just like on that. So literally the next day, Prime Minister Scott Morrison <laughs> contacts him and then we have this like awkward phone conversation recorded for TV cameras of our Prime Minister basically having a chat with him and then Scott Morrison's done a bit of his research about the bu- par- the pubs in Launceston. He's like, oh yeah, and I'll meet you for a palmy at the whatever pub in Lonnie. Uh, so Australian. But uh, yeah, I mean, God, they're, they're the best things, aren't they, Jared? When you kind of see this and kind of gets, gets a, added attention to these athletes that don't really get attention at all. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that I feel like the, the interviewers in the Olympics, you get all these weird questions and these, these this facts and information that's irrelevant. It's almost like they weirdly delve into the athletes' personal stories. But here, it like, it makes a lot more sense. It's about celebrating, like, what they've been able to achieve after that adversity of, of coming back. Um, so it's just, yeah, there's just a lot less filler and fluff and, and the interviews are a lot more emotional and raw. Um, it just, yeah, it just works a lot better. And yeah, I will say Todd Hodges, uh, the shot put F20 category there. Colin, do you, do you have any like Canadian ones? Were there any sort of Canadian interviews that went viral or anything along those lines? No, not really. I, I think most of the interviews were uh, more subdued, <laughs> ripping their shirts off. <laughs> um, th- there was one guy, Nate Reich, that uh, just ended up being played over and over and over again. Uh, I, I, he's actually from Victoria, so I don't know if you had heard of him when you were there or potentially interviewed him. But uh, he was in the 1500 what was his, meter. What was his name? Nate Reich. Okay, uh, there was there was a, a one athlete that I did interview for my story, but I don't know if it was Nate. Keep talking. I'll, I'll find out. I can't remember. Well, he was, uh, <laughs> I think he was the world record holder coming into this. Then he, uh, I believe, broke his world record and won the gold. Um, because we had fewer golds and maybe because I think one of the big differences when you get some of our other ones like Brent and Arelli who had a half a dozen events to compete in, you know, they, they, they medal. You're not going to get that emotion. And with Nate, I think it was just more of one of those emotional interviews. Um, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, on the verge of tears and then ripping off his shirt and woo or something like that. But uh, the Canadians, I guess, are a little bit more subdued than Australians. Um, no, it was Nate Wright that I interviewed. Uh, there really? You go. Good to see that I remember who I interview, apparently. Um, <laughs> was he a so good guy? Do you not remember? Is, it's not me. What a Wait a second. <laughs> Wait. The curse ended and Ben didn't even know it. I just goes to show how much I paid attention. Um, so this was this was the article that I wrote when I was working for the Capitol 
in Victoria, uh, and I, I talked about how I interviewed um, Georgia Simmeling and um, that <laughs> other guy. Um, and <laughs> it was Nate. God, look at me go. Knowing so the I've curse now is just you. On, we're narrowing it down. It's just you on this show. Yeah, it it must be. Uh, I'm trying to where where is it here that I because I, I, I I'm reading this out. I I know my own work clearly. Um, just <laughs> I clearly know who I chat to and everything along those lines, basically. So um, uh, here we go. Victoria based runner Nathan Reich scored a win at the blah 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 disappointment. Yeah, you're boring. Uh, and he said, I think more than able-bodied athletes, Paralympic athletes are good at adapting to the circumstances that are thrown their way. I've just come with the mentality that there's going to be a Paralympics at some point until I'm told otherwise, and I'm just going to prepare the best I can. So, um, th- see, there you go. Look at that. You're welcome. Wow. Gold. Wow. Jeez. I'm so From glad. From Ben Waterworth. I- You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I- I'm so glad that I can pay attention to these things. Um, <laughs> you know, I- I'm very proud of my uh, written work, apparently, outside of uh, all that kind of uh, other crap that people are listening to right now. Stop listening to this. Go read my written stuff. Apparently it brings <laughs> on more success. Um, what are some of the sports, like obviously outside of, I guess, the sports that we see at the, the Olympics, outside of, you know, obviously a little bit adapted depending on, on you know, different person's disability and things along those lines. But were there any sort of particular uniquely Paralympic sports that, uh, you know, you sort of got into? Colin, are there ones that you sort of enjoy? You mentioned sitting volleyball. You've sort of never really got mm-hmm. a chance to see that before. So were there any ones outside of uh, that that you, you enjoyed and got to see more of this time around? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the coverage that we had for rowing, you know, I was, I'm still kind of all rode out from Tokyo, uh, the, the Olympics, Tokyo. So I skipped that, but, uh, it, it was nice to one day, as you mentioned, bocce, when they had that on, I'm like, Oh, I wish that we could just have this. Our app was different. Like for the, the Olympic games, it was basically, they rebranded their entire CBC sports app just for the Olympics. And I think my biggest disappointment is that for the Paralympics, they didn't even keep that. You basically have to go on to the CBC gem app, which is shared with all their TV shows and search for it. So I wasn't really able to watch a lot of live events that they were covering. I had to rely just on the TV coverage. The one day that they showed bocce, I'm like, this is great. Like show more of this. Let's skip some of the uh, wheelchair basketball for, I don't know, the next nine days. (laughs) Let's (laughs) throw a day or two in there of bocce. With the thing I will say about quickly about wheelchair basketball, I always get confused with wheelchair rugby. Like, I, I realise they're mm-hmm. different, but it's just kind of the way you kind of watch it sometimes. You're like, oh, there's no hoop. This must be the rugby one. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, no, this is the basketball one. So they kind of, they get a little bit confusing. Jared, we had the app, didn't we? It was kind of kept the same, wasn't it? Very similar. Like, they still had about a bunch of sort of live sports there. But um, were there any ones in particular that you sort of uh, watched this time around that you got a, got a bit into? I'm definitely on board the bocce train as well. <laughs> like this sport it could be so boring like i'm like it's the, like paralympic equivalent to to lawn bowls at the um, commonwealth games <laughs> but it's so like uh it's like so strategic it's so fascinating like i just love that the guides like can't look at the playing field and they're just setting up based on what the athlete's telling them to do and then depending on the athlete's impairment like they're using a stick in their mouth to push the mm. ball like down the shoe it's just it was really interesting to watch. And the other one that I loved watching was goalball. Yes. It was just, it's amazing that these athletes that. just throw themselves like around, 
all the different like throwing techniques. You have like the Brazilian team that's using like the tunnel ball through the legs throwing technique. And then they're like fake outs as well. The player who doesn't have the ball will run forward. So they hear them running and think the ball's coming from over there, but then they throw it from the other side. Like it was just, it was really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I love the goal ball because it's just it's so interesting just to kind of watch how they have to do it and how strategic it can be. And it's just, it's fascinating. Like, I absolutely loved it. I've, I've seen it before, but it's just fun. And, like, even sort of, like, um on that note, like, the football five. So I love sort of the, the vision-impaired ones where it's just, it just blows my mind how they can play these sports. Like, it's just, it's so incredible. Um, and I just, I had the, the highest admiration for these athletes, the way they're able to do it because, and not to say I don't for the, the, the non-visually impaired ones, it's sort of all the athletes at the, I mean, I was watching table tennis with a guy with one arm kicking a guy's ass with two arms. And I'm like, like, what is going on here? This is amazing. Um, like he was serving it basically in his mouth on the table, the way he would do it with this other guy with two arms was like having to, like, it was just, I was like, wow blown away and then cycling when you're watching sort of somebody who's maybe got two artificial legs up against somebody with just one leg and then the person with one leg is kicking the guy's ass with the two art like insane like absolutely insane to watch it but yeah i say put goalball on like all the time i i want that prime time coverage i have no idea what the sport is you're gonna have to send a link in our chat or something how would you describe jared it's kind of almost like laying down soccer slash dodge ball but with a net like yeah how would you describe it well now i can picture it thanks <laughs> it's a weird one i'm like what other sport yeah it is it's kind of it's kind of like uh i don't know um arm soccer <laughs> yeah like <laughs> blindfolded arm soccer <laughs> blind blindfold Blindfolded arm soccer. Um, okay, so according to Wikipedia, a team sport designed specifically for athletes with a vision impairment. Participants compete in teams of three and try to throw a ball that has bells embedded in it into the opponent's goal. The ball is thrown by hand and never kicked. Using ear-hand coordination, originating as a rehabilitation exercise, the sport has no able-bodied equivalent. Uh, able-bodied athletes are also blindfolded when playing the sport. Wow. So you can play it if you're able-bodied, but you've got to be blindfolded. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> still, still, I'm still going to need to see this again. <laughs> you look it up. It's just, it's fascinating because it is one of these ones when you're sort of like flicking channels and it's like, okay, what's, what's on at the Paralympics? And if you don't know what this is, you're like, what is this sport? Like, this is... This is amazing, but uh, yeah, it's so good. I also really like the, uh, I didn't see much, but when I saw it, um, wheelchair fencing, that's fun. Like regular fencing is fun, but like wheelchair fencing is extra fun because, you know, you're in a wheelchair, you've got to kind of control it sort of more so than you do if you're in the standing fencing. Uh, just, just absolutely incredible. And I also say wheelchair tennis is always one that I always forget how much I like watching because just, it's crazy watching them just sort of the way they've got to go around the court and kind of get in there. I mean, tennis in general is a pretty physical sport, but add the element of a wheelchair to it. Like my goodness. Um, so good. Uh, you know, I think you just nailed what is really fascinating about the Paralympics, uh, because there's some sports like swimming, you know, I'm interested to see, well, is my country going to win? But when they're underwater, you don't see that extra challenge that they have. You understand, mm. okay, well, they may 
you know, have an impairment below the knee or something like that. But when they have to compete, this the same thing with sledge hockey. Uh, yeah. When they have to compete in, in something where you're like, this just adds one extra level of a challenge to it. And the interview we have coming up is going to be really fascinating just to talk about, well, well, these are the things that you don't think would be hard, but imagine trying to coordinate this and this and this. And imagine having to fence while also coordinating a wheelchair. You know, it's easy for us to say, like, I take one step back. Well, how many different things you have to go through to take one step equivalent of a step back in fencing in a wheelchair? One sport, Jared, I didn't get to see uh, was the dressage, the equestrian, the Paralympic dressage. Did you see any Paralympic dressage? I missed dressage? it too. Yeah, see, that's that's disappointing. Um, you know, do, 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 do the horses also have to be like... You know, like, <laughs> you know, like Paralympians? Asking, are they Paralympic <laughs> horses? Like three-legged horses or a visually impaired horse like i don't know like put the blades would, on the back hooves yeah like i mean it could be a, an interesting element like you have to have a disabled horse i i, I don't know um i think it's it's upsetting that the guides get a medal in sports but the horses don't get well, a medal like what's what's the deal with that <laughs> that's a very good point because i was going to say i do like the sports of the paralympics with the guide get a medal right but like why don't the this is like chewbacca not getting yeah, a medal yeah, at I was the gonna end of say, where's <laughs> Chewie's medal. Come on. Give that horse the medal. Yeah. Like, I think, don't they get, like, a sash or something like that? Like, oh, does a horse really want a medal, though? Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, they do. All right. 100%. <laughs> they put in all that work to, uh, look, who is the most successful horse in the history of both the Olympics and Paralympics? Is there, like, a, you know, a, a horse that goes in both the Paralympics and the Olympics and is, like, a 10-time <laughs> gold medalist? Like, that horse, you know? Hey, you know what? That, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Those horses can compete in both. That's the thing. That, that's why I'm saying, like, can you have the a disabled horse? all-time most decorated Olympian may very well not be Michael Phelps. It may be a horse. They, I mean, horses live to, like, they're, like, 30 or 40, don't they? Like, I mean, they've got a good run. Like, I'm sure a horse at 30 is probably doing well. Like, Well, I'm sure a horse at four or five is is eligible to compete in the Olympics, too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's not a very much an age <laughs> The Americans, that Chinese horse there is way too young for the sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want an inquiry. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any other sort of events or things that I haven't touched on sort of outside of, of Australia and Canada. The, the one that I, I love watching uh, was in the F40 shot put. Uh, where basically the Russian, I, I'm going to butcher his name, I think it's Denis Nezdolov, uh, he won and set a world record. But this came a centimetre he won it after an Iraqi competitor by the name of Gary Nassar, I'm again butchering his name. He basically came out through this amazing throw, pumped up, God, he, thought, he thought he had it. He thought he had the gold. He just set a world record, grabbed the Iraqi flag. He was going off. And while he was going off, in comes Dennis does it and beats him by a centimetre. He goes off even more. Like, just, I wish there was a crowd at these events. Like, just absolutely incredible. It was so amazing to watch that. And I think the, the previous world record holder, a Portuguese athlete by the name of Miguel Montero, I think he, he got bronze. So, absolutely amazing to watch. That was one that really stood out for me. But, again, I don't know if either of you have any that kind of you watched, any athletes of that. Jared, if you've got any that side of Australia and Canada that kind of tickled your fancy. Yeah, I suppose a couple of things that stuck out was the the relays in swimming. Mm. Amazing. I'm sure Colin hates them because they're similar to the mixed relays <laughs> in that people are all different levels and it's hard to tell who's winning and it's not fair. Um, oh, but it's just, it's so interesting with like the point classification and that 
you have four athletes and all together, they've got to be like 35 points or less. So it's all different disciplines swimming in it together. Um, it's just, yeah, such a fun event to watch because it's the same as realize you don't know who's going to win until it gets down to the last swimmer. And some countries have their worst swimmer last and other countries have their best swimmer last. So I thought that was great. Um, the other things were the, the conditions, like the rain. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. In the rain, it was, it was like so ridiculous. And I think I was watching the long jump at the time. And like, yeah, you have these athletes trying to do long jump with their prosthetics in the rain or like stepping onto that board, trying to like get some traction. It was just crazy. And then the other thing is the wheelchair rugby is just such a good sport. Murderable. Oh, so mm -hmm. good. And I never realized before I said it, um, that it's a mixed sport as well. And all yeah. of a sudden, I'm like, where's the, like, there's just this female competitor on the field. I'm like, this is the like biggest contact sport. And just, I mean, props to all of them for competing in it. It's, it's insane. Until you I think said I that, asked, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think I asked you this before, Ben. I don't know if I, uh, I remember your answer or if you've ever seen it. Did either of you ever see the movie Murder Ball, like the documentary that came out years ago? I saw bits of it. I've never watched the whole thing, but I remember when it sort oh. of came out and it was a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I, I just want to add to that again with the sitting volleyball. Uh, you know, Canada made it to the bronze medal match. So outside of Canada, I think the one I was rooting for the most was Brazil because Brazil kind of had like a nice comeback in that as well. Uh, and, and again, it's just so it's so fascinating to watch. You think if you're in volley volleyball, it's the same thing. You, we know how to take one step back. How are you going to reach that ball when even if you do have two legs that you are perfectly capable of standing on. You just sort of have to shuffle on the floor. I can't imagine like the chafing and the bruising from doing that. Uh, I sit in a chair at an office for eight hours a day and I come home and I want to stand for dinner. Like it's just awful. So uh, it's incredible. They're able to do that. But, uh, and then U S women, I think went on to win that one too, which I think they, they always win in that. But uh, yeah, the team sports, I, I feel like are more fun in the Paralympics than in, the regular Olympics, because a lot of these regular Olympic sports we're used to seeing, you know, the world cup of soccer. We're used to seeing uh, rugby on every Saturday afternoon, hockey, whatever, but then you throw that extra obstacle in there. It makes it feel like a fresh sport. So even though you might be tired of watching basketball after an entire NBA season and the Olympics wheelchair basketball just adds a completely different uh, dimension to it. And this is a thing which is great about the Paralympics too, is that, yeah, like as you were saying, a lot of these Olympic sports have a an equivalent or maybe even bigger. You know, like, I mean, you mentioned basketball. Like LeBron James can literally be, oh, I'm not going to the Olympics. I need to train for the – like, I mean, he's literally saying no to the Olympics because the NBA is more important to him. And obviously, you know, a sport like soccer, golf, you know, that's coming soon in our sports episode. We'll talk about that. But, I mean, this is the peak of the peak for every single one of these sports. Like, yes, they have yeah. their world championships. Yes, they sort of have a Commonwealth Games element to it and that sort of stuff, but th there's no questioning that the Paralympics is the ultimate peak for these athletes. Well, and it's also, I think, kind of like we see it often sort of in, in the, I don't know if regular Olympics is politically correct, the Olympics, that you will sort of have maybe some transition where you'll have some winter to summer athletes, but the Paralympics has so much more. You will see a large, well, not a large majority, but a, a fair chunk of these athletes competing in a few months' time probably in Beijing. Like they, they – there's a lot more of a, a transfer over between winter and summer Paralympics, which I really like. Like I kind of respect these athletes who can do that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And they get the airtime and everything too. So yeah. And Colin, the, the interview, 
Well, the inter- I got to plug again, the interview that we're going to have coming up, you know, we're going to get to touch on both of those subjects you just talked about. One, the fact that even when you do get the world championships in a Paralympic sport, you know, if, if they get 300 people, they're happy <laughs> yeah. versus getting 3000 people. I mean, obviously in Tokyo, you didn't quite have those crowds, but to be able to be, have TV coverage and all that, like that's a big deal. Uh, and then the crossover with the different sports too, again, the interview will, you'll eventually hear on here with a Paralympian. Uh, it's not even a big deal. He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm training for this summer sport, but I was thinking about doing this one instead. <laughs> yeah. You just, you have your pick and you figure out how to make it work. Which also, too, the big talking point here in Australia was um, I think the gold medalists from the Olympics got, say, $20,000 or something along those lines, and it was revealed that the Paralympians didn't get anything. So they've essentially now just announced Scott Morrison, I think, in the last few days, basically, is like, hey, the, the Paralympians are going to get the same. They're going to get the same amount mm-hmm. of money. And then the, the one thing that I really liked that Channel 7 were doing, sort of we joked back during our Tokyo coverage when I bought that seat, that $10 seat, send a message. And I will say I did get an invite to uh, to an athlete forum. It was in a time I couldn't do it. And it was with, it was with Melissa Wu uh, and Matt Denny. And part of the reason why I didn't really go is, spoiler alert, Matt Denny is going to be on this show in about a week's time. So I already spoke to Matt Denny. So I was kind of like, well, Melissa Wu, yeah, sure, great. But, you know, I've, I've got half of it already. But what they did with the Paralympics, like they promoted the shit out of this. And they basically were like donate 10 bucks we're going to fill a stadium all this money goes to paralympic sport and i don't know what how many they got through jared but last time i saw they got about two and a half stadiums full like you know they had about 80 odd thousand sort of people do you, do you know do you, do you see sort of how many they ended up getting i think around like ninety five thousand seats so it was like wow yeah two and a half million dollars almost crazy fantastic to see that and and the thing too that also they're done here colin i'll be interested to know obviously i know you sort of had a few kind of welcome home events and i'm kind of intrigued to find out if you went to that winnipeg one i i, I know you were going but I, i'd like to hear your story with that but um here no. obviously they they haven't really been able to do anything here because sydney and melbourne are locked down i believe they're doing one in brisbane in october and they had a, a premier's dinner for the brisbane athletes recently i don't know what they're doing in tasmania or uh, if they can do anything in new south wales with jared but what they did do the other night is they projected every single Olympian and Paralympian onto the Sydney Opera that. House. And, yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And if you follow any Olympians, they're all sharing the, the pictures on their social media, which is really, really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously a bit sad, isn't it, Jared, that we're not really going to be able to have welcome home parades like like usual, it seems. Yeah, it is. Um, and the, the fact that I suppose there's the option to like postpone and hold it later, it just doesn't have like this, the same feeling, but I will say on like my... the, Olymp- the Olympics, the 2020 welcome home parade in 2022. Well, just before Jared, you say that here's an idea. Why not save it until after Beijing and then just incorporate summer and winter together. There's an idea. It's true. Yeah. I think like on a related note, um, what was great about the Paralympics and the coverage is that there wasn't, there wasn't the hype of like all that, every athlete. Mm. And it was so refreshing to watch, even when somebody like a Dylan Alcott is the big favorite to win. There was none of that, like the lead up, the interviews beforehand, all, all the buzz, which I suppose on the flip side is kind of a sad thing because there is less of the, the coverage and the hype and the sponsorship but it was so refreshing to watch the, them be like honest, be proud of like whatever they achieved going into events, not getting a false 
I'm like hyping up being like, she's made the final. That's a great achievement. Um, looking at like her PB, she'd have to like run five seconds faster. She probably won't medal here, but she'll be looking to finish around like this seventh or eighth or whatever. Yeah. It was just so nice to have that in a sport and them not have all this pressure hyping up the athletes. And I didn't have to buy into that hype and be upset at any of the results. Which I'm just saying, uh, I know they're already starting to do a lot of the recordings for Beijing uh, because uh, this week we obviously had uh, Tyler Gill and Dean Hewitt on the show. Listen to the uh, interview if you haven't heard it. It's a great interview. And uh, I noticed that uh, Channel 7 obviously did a bit of a recording with them. They've just they've just jumped on their plane basically this week to go off to uh, their final qualification tournament to try and get into Beijing. And I saw all the uh, social media that Channel 7 have started to pre-record some packages. So I said to Colin off air that if they don't make it, if they don't qualify, you can't just blame us. All right, Channel 7 are also doing the, doing their worst as well. And can I also just say quickly, Colin, before I want to I want to hear this story about why you didn't get to go to the Winnipeg one, but um. I also saw on social media tonight Mel McLaughlin talking about the Sydney Opera House. She's like, oh, like this is such a great thing for the Olympians and Olympics. Like, I can't wait to see it again in three years' time. I'm like, well, can't we see it in six months' time? Are we not going to celebrate our Winter Olympians and Paralympians as well? Like, I mean, surely if you're going to do it for, you know, 600-odd summer Paralympians and Olympians, do it for the Winter. There's less, so it will take less time. Uh, and they're Olympians as well. So I, I hope that this is uh, reciprocated and our Winter Olympians get this honour as well come uh, February slash March. Colin, what happened? Why didn't you get to go and hang out with these? What did Jamie do? <laughs> well, Jamie didn't do anything. Um, let's chalk it up to two things. One, mispromotion, because uh, they they heavily promoted this, like, welcome our Olympians, and they're mentioning a lot of the big names. And I'm like, well, maybe because Manitoba doesn't have the restrictions that Ontario has or BC has, then they're sending them here instead. They kept promoting, oh, you can uh, stream this live uh, online. You can watch the video. I'm like, okay, well, that's for the places that aren't going to get it. Really what it came down to was that these athletes were going to be wherever their home was. They were going to make an appearance somewhere and they were just going to kind of broadcast this across the country. We had one athlete here, which was Skylar Park, who's from Winnipeg. Uh, but the rest, they were just going to the big venue they had, our big mall here. They were going to have a big screen and they were going to show, hey, here, here's Pavan and, and Paredes from their <laughs> home in Scarborough, Ontario, or wherever it wow. is. Meanwhile, I could sit at home and watch the exact same thing. Uh, so I decided not to go to that, to drag the entire family across the city to see that. Uh, but then I ended up forgetting it was on. And I didn't even get to watch it at home. So had I made the plan, okay, I'm going to go down to a mall. There would have been reminders. Okay, we got it. We're going to leave in the house, Colin. And I ended up missing it entirely. Wow. Ba 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 ba. Any final thoughts on the Paralympics, guys? I mean, obviously, oh, opening uh, closing ceremonies. Well, I was going to ask that, actually, because I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't see any of them, so I, oh. I don't really have anything to comment on on neither the, the opening or closing ceremonies. But, I mean, Colin, I'll start with you. You watched them. Were they better than the, the non-Paralympic opening and closing ceremonies? Infinitely better. Um, you know, still, when you get the Paralympic ceremonies, it, it is always a slightly smaller scale than we get with the Olympics, you know, budget reasons or maybe just – short turnaround between the two where they don't have as much time for the setup, but a lot of the stuff that we are missing, a lot of the cultural um, element to it, uh, the, the fun that was there for both the opening and closing ceremonies, there was a bit of a spectacle to it. Uh, I, I honestly, other than the treadmill, the things that we kind of mocked, I'm struggling to remember anything about the opening and closing ceremonies 
for the Olympics. The Paralympics had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it, it was shorter, you know, because you had less athletes. But one thing that was weird was, uh, I don't know the reasoning behind it. It wasn't a thing of, okay, countries are limited with how many athletes you could send in there because you see United States come out, you see China come out and they've got dozens of athletes. Canada, I think, had only four athletes at the opening ceremonies. And they even made a point in the commentary to say that was by choice, that the athletes wanted to focus on their events. Uh, so it looked like we were, um, I don't know, Tonga or something with the amount of people on the field for Canada. Uh, but, uh, but still, overall, the opening closing ceremonies, so much better for both, this, uh, both of these over the, the regular Olympic ones. Jared, did you see much of them? caught the ending of the closing ceremony so i caught the like the the paris handover and it was so good Mm. they had this like hand choreography mexican wave style thing and it was the best thing it was like i suppose the paralympic equivalent of the synchronized like drumming in beijing almost wow but it was just it was just, uh, I don't know, words can't describe it. It was so good. I hope they bring it back for the actual like opening ceremony in France because it just looks so good. I think that's like the key takeaway is if you do something for your opening or closing ceremony, just do a massive amount of people doing something synchronized and it will look great. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm going to look it up. I feel bad that I didn't catch any of it. I'm sorry. Sorry, people. That uh, goes to show the extent sorry. of... Uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, download 007. Great show. Um, but... I think I, I enjoyed sort of like doing, you know, we're, only, we're always going to come together and sort of do just like a brief kind of wrap. It was never going to be super extensive. I think we'll do the same for, for Beijing kind of because I, I love, like I like the Winter Olympics probably more than Summer Olympics. I like the Winter Paralympics probably more because, I mean, you talk about unique sports and unique things, like it's even more unique sort of, uh, you know, seeing that. And Australia generally wins a couple of gold in the in the Winter Paralympics. We haven't won a gold in the non-Paralympics since 2010. So, you know, uh, it's time. It's, it's, it's good to see us get gold in snow and all that kind of stuff too. But uh, speaking of that, our sort of, obviously we've got a, a crap ton of interviews coming your way. We're sort of, we were always planning to at least have one a week between Tokyo and Beijing. Kind of gone a little bit gangbusters in the fact that, as you would have seen, we're having three episodes a week right now. We've got that many interviews uh, there might even be a chance of more than three a week uh, at this rate. We'll have to keep on seeing that. But um, obviously, uh, earlier this week, we had Scott Gow, uh, Canadian biathlete. Great chat with him there. And I'll say that this Friday, we're keeping up the Canadian athletes. We're going to be speaking with Alana Goldie, who is a fencer, competed in Tokyo in fencing. Great chat there. And then just a bit of a teaser ahead of next week, we're going to be ticking off three new sports that we've never spoken to athletes before on this show. We're talking to somebody from the sport of beach volleyball. We're talking to somebody from the sport, well, two people, I will say, from the sport of canoe, kayak. And we're also speaking to our very first gymnast. And I want to say that it's it's teasing for a big month or so of gymnastics coming your way because we're ticking off all the gymnastics. We're doing trampoline, we're doing artistic, and, Jared, we're doing rhythmic. And I messaged you <laughs> after that interview and I said, we've got to lay off the rhythmic gymnast because it's a great chat. So I'm just saying, <laughs> my mind's being turned. Um, but we've got a lot of great athletes coming up uh, in, the, in the coming weeks and months, which uh, I really don't want to... Go into spoiler mode, but just stay tuned to our social media pages as well. And we're also, between now and the end of the year, we're going to come, all three of us are going to come together uh, at least once a month to do sort of an episode. Uh, So next month, we're going to be doing a looking ahead to 
Beijing 2022, we did that back in, what was it, 2017? We did a looking ahead to uh, Pyeongchang. That was a whole Boorang and Surang episode, if you all remember that. So uh, get ready to butcher the Beijing mascots' names, people. It's exciting, which uh, sort of, yeah, just a real kind of uh, a look ahead a couple months in advance. Not our full preview. We'll obviously do a full preview the week before Beijing. But uh, also we're looking at doing a, the long-awaited sports episode. Jared, I know you're excited for that one. We're just kind of go over what we think works and doesn't work for Olympic sports and everything like that. And the one I'm looking forward to the most at the, at the end of this year, we're going to rank the Olympic medals. Now, we're not going to go all the way back to Athens, 1896. We'll be here for a while. Uh, we're going to basically go from, I think, Lillehammer onwards, sort of when they started doing the the kind of designs where the ribbons sort of came into play. You know, they started to kind of have fancy artwork on the ribbons. So we're going to include winter and summer. We haven't really worked out a format. This is just a loose idea that we thought, hey, this would be cool. And do we get vetoes? Do I don't know. Maybe we should. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to be here for like five hours, like on a double or seven. It'd be nice to just do a 90 minute episode where we rank it. But uh, I don't know. Colin, I mean, right now, if you had to list your favorite and least favorite Olympic medal, give us a teaser. Uh, I love Turin. Um, Rio was okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jared, uh, what do you think? <laughs> Athens. Athens is a good one. Athens is a nice medal. Oh, can't put me on the spot like that. Um, I agree with Athens. I think that's up there. Um, Tokyo, yeah. Mm. Not so great. I like the idea behind Tokyo. I don't know if I like the medal itself. Yeah, look, i got to say the winters are more interesting because the winters go for something a little bit more unique. Colin, I'm telling you now, I'm completely the opposite for Turin. I hate that medal. I oh, really hate the donut medal. Jerk. So um, that will be one we'll disagree on. But I'm, I'm partial to the Vancouver. I like the story behind the Vancouver medal. I think it's a unique design. And I, I've come around in Sochi. I kind of like this glass element to the Sochi medal which was a bit unique but uh summers yeah athens is a good one and i'm very partial to the atlanta medal i've always liked the design of the atlanta medal so uh, look at us this is wow the epitome of olympic geekdom that we're going to be ranking <laughs> medals you know and if it becomes popular we will go all the way back to athens and and go antwerp 1920 that's that's <laughs> the one we're looking forward to but uh plenty still to come if you want to stay up to date with everything of course social media search for off the podium all the good and bad podcast platform platforms search platform. for uh, off the podium that's the bad ones they spell it platforms um, and you won't miss a single interview that are coming up because we've got some great ones on the way. Uh, Jared, good to have you back uh, and front. That was a bad joke. Um, but I look forward to talking to you next month and getting your thoughts on the Beijing uh, mascots. Um, are you looking forward to the new Boorang? I'm looking forward to tearing apart the new Boorang. Yes, indeed. And Colin, thank you as well. And uh, yeah, you're ticking down the days until your real Olympics when Canada does better. So, And NHL <laughs> players are back. We'll talk about that next month, but it's been confirmed. <laughs> We're going to have proper hockey at the Olympics next year. So, yes. <laughs> I barely contained myself on this episode to not get into it. So <laughs> next month will be exciting. We will be into that next month. But uh, until then, until this coming Friday for our next interview, this has been Off the Podium. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I, I can't use my closing because the, the new closing that I've got doesn't make sense until a certain interview. So uh, wait until a better closing. Good night. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese up, but the thing's so